Hey, welcome home to Cassidy. My name is Stephen Mitchell, and it is awesome to be here on this Pentecost Sunday, the Sunday that we celebrate the gift of the Holy Spirit, and it's going to wrap up our message series that we've been on called Unquenchable. The whole idea is to take a deep dive into the Holy Spirit and say, come Holy Spirit, make a difference in my life. Change me from the inside out so that I can be your person, so that I can live boldly for you, so that I can love for you, so that I can make a difference for you. So if you're new here, you picked a great day to join us. We are so excited, whether you're joining us online or in in person. We're just excited that you are here with us, that together we can celebrate what God has done, what God is doing, and what God continues to do in and through us. And you'll notice real quick that we're not perfect if you are new here. Uh, but we know the one who is, and that's Jesus. And we want to be more like Jesus. So we want to invite you on this same journey with us, that together we can grow in relationship to God. We can grow in relationship to one another so that we can be more like Jesus in the world around us. Because quite frankly, we need a lot more action in the church. We need a lot more doing in the church and a lot less just sitting back on our laurels. Uh, when, I, when I moved out here, a buddy of mine moved out here as well, uh, two different churches, and we're both pastors, and uh, we've been friends before, and so uh, we, we both enjoy fishing, uh, and he was like, hey man, I got, I got an extra kayak, we could go kayak fishing, and I'm like, yeah, that sounds amazing, let's go kayak fishing, so we went kayak fishing, and while we're kayak fishing, he breaks out this rod that is for, uh, it's, it's, it's just different than, than what I had seen before. Uh, it, it, is, it is a rod that, that confused me because it was a fly fishing rod and I didn't know what that was. I mean, I'd seen, you know, the videos of people in, in, uh, in Colorado fly fishing going back and forth. Uh, and he was like, no, that's not how you do it here in Missouri. And oh, it's cool. Uh, I'm just going to use this. You can use whatever you want. And so I'm, I'm fishing. He's fishing. And I was just like, that, that is really cool. And he said, what's really good is you go up by where the dam is and you can just wade fish. You walk out in the water and you just flip it back and forth and you, you fish. And I was, I was like, wow, well, that sounds amazing. Then I don't have to worry about getting uh, one car at where we're going to get out and one car where we're going to get in and, uh, you know, worrying about the boats and things like that. And I was like, well, shoot, let's do that. So he and I went to Bass Pro Shops. This isn't a Bass Pro Shops commercial. They just had what I was looking for. Uh, and I picked, up, I picked up a set of waders because the river is cold. <laughs> and I didn't want to be cold. Uh, and so I got some waders. And I also got, you know, I got a nice net so that I could scoop up all the fish I was going to catch. And, and, and I, I got a fly fishing rod. And so I went home. I was so excited. I uh, went home and uh, he couldn't go the next day uh, to the river, but I was going to. And so I started watching videos. I started watching videos on how to tie knots, how to get ready, how to practice in your backyard. And, and then I got the bright idea of, I'm going to practice. So I put on my waders, right? It's summertime. I put on my waders and I put on my fishing hat <laughs> and I grabbed my fly fishing rod and went into the backyard and, and was practicing over and over again in my backyard. And I was excited about the opportunity 
to actually go fishing. So the next morning, I, I set my alarm for like early in the morning, and, and my alarm went off, and, and I was really tired. <laughs> and so I was like, you know what, I'll, I'll sleep just a little bit later. Well, a little bit later turned out to be a lot later, and by the time I woke up, uh, they had opened several of the, of the gates on the dam, and, and that makes the water higher and move faster, and so it's not really all that great for fly fishing or for standing in the river, for that matter. And so I was like, well, I missed my chance. I'll try again tomorrow. And so what did I do? Because I was still excited, I put my waders back on and I walked back out in my backyard, practiced some more. I practiced flipping the rod. I practiced casting. I practiced all of the things. I practiced tying knots while standing in my backyard in the wader. I'm pretty sure my neighbors were like, what in the world is going on with this kid? Um, out there practicing time and again uh, for, for hours I practiced, and then the next day I woke up, and I went to the river. And I went, and the water was just where it was supposed to be, and I, I now thinking I know all that I need to, to go fly fishing, waddle out into the river, and almost instantly, I almost lost my, uh, my, my net to scoop up all of the fish I was going to scoop up, uh, and, and I almost fell over trying to get the net, which would have really ended poorly, because then I would have had waders filled with water. Uh, so it, things didn't start off great, and, and they went downhill from there, because all of the practicing I had done had been on grass, and none of that included moving water, and so standing in the rushing water and flipping and doing all of the things that are not super difficult if you do them, but are super difficult the first time you do them. Uh, it, it was overwhelming to me. And I was, I was very frustrated with myself. And I caught zero fish. My, my, my goal of 15 or so trout had shrunk down to, I would just like a nibble, right? I would just like something to even, even if I got to switch fishing rods at this point, I just want something. And I went out multiple days and still back to back to back caught nothing. And finally, finally, I got the hang of it. Finally, after not just practicing, but doing it, I got the hang of what I was doing wrong. I started to notice what it felt like when a fish was hitting the, the, the bait. I started to understand how to adjust the bait. Uh, I had people that were coming up to me and they were like, hey man, is this, is this your first time? I'm like, yes, yes it is. Uh, I can use all the help I can get. And so they were helping me to get better, not because I was practicing, but because I was doing what I was trying to accomplish. And, and finally, finally, I was getting good enough at it that I could actually catch fish at it. In my head, I had become an expert because I had practiced in my backyard. But in reality, I had a long way to go. In reality, I had a long way to go. And whether, whether we like it or not, We've all done something similar, whether, whether we want to admit it or not. Maybe it wasn't fly fishing for you, uh, but in today's era, in the modern era, man, everybody is an expert in everything. Why? Because now more than ever, they watch a video online 
and they know how to do it. Well, I know how surgery works. Now, I'm definitely not going to get operated on by somebody who has watched a video. I want them to have had practice. I want them to know what they're doing. Now more than ever, ever, online information makes at-home experts where people believe that they know more than they think they do. People think they know because they watched, right? People really know because they do, because they do. Uh, This is the same picture. You know, you call somebody and you're like, hey, my, my, my washing machine isn't working. And they show up and it takes like 30 minutes to fix it. And they charge you $250. And you're like, why is it $250? And they're like, because I know how to fix it right? Because I have all the tools and all the equipment it takes for me to come here and fix it in 30 minutes when it would take you hours to do the same thing. Sometimes, sometimes we, we just need to realize that practicing isn't what it's all about, that actually doing and learning, getting your hands dirty, that's where the real knowledge comes from. That's where the real experience comes from. That's where wisdom comes from. And we can, we can do this in so many places in life, whether it's in our families or in trying to do home repair or trying to do uh, so many different things. We, we, we think we become experts until we get our hands dirty, and it's, it's a little bit more involved than we thought it would be. And we treat so many different things like this. One of those things is the Holy Spirit. Here, here's what I mean. We gather together at church. We gather and we watch. We do Bible studies. We learn about God. We study who God is and what God has called us to do, yet we never do that which God called us to do. <laughs> it's so hard Uh, My dad had a term for this. It was called failure to launch. (laughs) He he would tell me, my goal in life is to equip you with all of the practical knowledge that you need to survive and be a useful part of the community, (laughs) right? If I don't do that, then I have failed because you will have a failure to launch, to go and do, to to live life, to be a part of the community, to be the person that I know you can be. If you don't go and do, you're never going to have success. And, And God is not interested in our practice. God is interested in our faith-filled living out of the Scripture. And God knows what He's talking about when He starts something so powerful that, it's, that it changes the world, that something is the church. And that's what Pentecost is all about. Pentecost is the birthday of the church because it's when the Holy Spirit came to the disciples in the upper room. And, and the Holy Spirit is, is given as a gift by Jesus to the disciples, to those that are following the way of Jesus Christ. And they come to life in Jesus and it changes everything. God knows how to launch a thing. It says this in Acts chapter 2, when the day of Pentecost came, they were all together 
in one place. Uh, I said Pentecost is the, the, um, the first of the, uh, of, the, um, of the birthday of the church, sorry, uh, but it, it comes from uh, a little bit more information. You see, Pentecost actually means 50 days. It's Greek for 50 days. Uh, Pentecost was already a Jewish holiday, and it was 50 days after Passover. Uh, for the Jews, it's the festival of weeks or Shavuot. Uh, and, and what the Jews celebrate, it's, it's one, of the, one of the feasts where it was a pilgrimage feast. If you were able, you should come to Jerusalem to celebrate because what are we celebrating? We are celebrating the gift of the law, that God gave the law. You see, in, in the Old Testament, we see in Exodus, the children of Israel are in captivity in Egypt, and God liberates them and brings them out of captivity. This is the, the, the festival that they celebrate at Passover. And then, then 50 days later, while surrounding Mount Sinai, Moses brings the law. The law, the gift of the law that God has given to his people the faith of the Jews is born on this day. They celebrate the giving of the law. And in that same day, on that same day, being celebrated years later, the law being celebrated that God has given the law, the law finds its fulfillment in Christ and in the Holy Spirit coming into the people. You see, this is, this is what I mean by God knows how to start a thing. God is using the same day that they celebrate the gift of the law, the birth of the Jewish faith, to bring that faith to fulfillment in Jesus Christ. And the Holy Spirit comes into the world so that people may be filled up by God so that they can go into the world and do. It says this, suddenly, a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. You see, uh, in, in church tradition, the, the disciples went back to the upper room. They were in the same room where Jesus had given his last supper, where he had washed their feet, where he had told them that I'm going to go and prepare a place for you. When he had tried to give them all of the heads up that they could have before his execution and then his resurrection. And, and while they are sitting around in this upper room, uh, wind comes into the room as if from heaven. And, and the cool thing is that the Greek word for wind is pneuma. Uh, and the, the Hebrew word for wind is ruach. It's this idea of wind or spirit from heaven. The authors want you to understand this isn't just a windy day that comes in through the windows. This is God's spirit moving into the space, that it came from heaven, sent by God so that it could fill those in the upper room so that it could prepare them in that instant to go into the world. They saw, they saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated 
and came to rest on each of them. And, and all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. This is a very visual moment, friends. Like, in this moment, there's this wind that is whipping up, and they can hear it as if it's coming from heaven, and then they see the Spirit of God as if in tongues of fire that are, are, are lighting over each, each and every person's head. This is the power of God being revealed in a powerful and profound way. God's Spirit made manifest in the world, given as a gift to those who follow Christ. And what did they do? Did they, did they sit around and study it? Did they think deeply, what does the gift of the Holy Spirit mean? Did they ponder the possibilities of what this might entail? <laughs> nope. What did they do? They poured out of the house so that they might share the gospel. They were so filled up by the power of the Holy Spirit that they had to do. They had to go into the world. They had to share with others what God had just done to them, that they had been transformed. A moment ago, they were one way, locked and fearful in an upper room, and now they were breaking out of that room to share the gospel. Why? Because the Spirit of God was upon them, and they could not sit idly by. Acts continues and says this, Now they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. And when they heard this sound, not the sound of the wind, not the sound of the, the presence of the Holy Spirit, but the sound of the disciples speaking in different languages, a crowd came together in bewilderment. Because each one heard their own language being spoken, utterly amazed. They asked, aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? They still had an accent, even though they were speaking in different languages. Then how is it that each of us hears them in our own language? Because they shouldn't know all of these languages. Parthians and Medes and Elamites, residents of Mesopotamia, Judea and Cappadocia, Pontus and Asia, Phrygia, Pamphylia and Egypt and the parts of Libya near Cyrene, visitors from Rome, both Jews and converts to Judaism, Cretans and Arabs. We hear them declaring the wonders of God in our own tongue. Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, what? What does this mean? You see, years before, years before at the Tower of Babel, humanity decided that they were going to be equal to God and build a tower that was so high that they would be in the heavens with God. And God, God scrambled their language and sent them in different ways. And in this moment, in this moment in Jerusalem, the disciples filled with the Holy Spirit, God undoes the curse of Babel so that all can hear not the pride of humanity cheering itself on, 
but instead can hear the gift of God, the good news that Christ has come, Christ has died, and Christ is now raised, and we can have new life in Jesus Christ. God empowers, and the followers go. It's such a scene. Such a scene is unfolding. So many crazy moments in this that some people, some people were confused. Some, however, made fun of them, the disciples, and said, (laughs) this is my favorite part, they have had too much wine. Those guys are drunk. The Spirit comes. They act, and it's so powerful that when they were accused of having too much wine, because why? Because what else could explain what's going on? How, how is it that this is happening? Oh, they, they must be drunk. And my, my thought is this. When was the last time that you were so crazy about Jesus that people thought you were drunk? Woo! When was the last time that you were so head over heels in love with Jesus that people were like, what is going on with this person? No bottling up Jesus. They're, they're, not, they're not capping him up. They're not putting him in a box. They're not cutting the spirit off. Talk about unquenchable. They were on fire, literally, by the spirit of God. The spirit came and they acted. And friends, that same spirit is here for us today. The spirit that moves us into the realm of God so that we can work to build the kingdom by sharing the good news. God gives us the gift of his Holy Spirit, not so that we can be secure in our own salvation, but so that we can be a part of what God is doing. The the gift of the Spirit that calls us to action. The gift of the Spirit that empowers us to live for Christ. The gift of the Spirit that illuminates our minds and gives us the mind of Christ. The gift of the Spirit that allows us to be the church of Christ so that we can go and be the people that God has called us to be. And so how, how do we embrace the Spirit? How, how do we live for the Spirit in the words of 90s advertising? Just do it. Just do it. You don't have to sit idly by and think about it. You don't have to ponder it. You don't have to learn Greek or Hebrew. You don't have to struggle to understand what God is calling you to do. You just need to go and act for Jesus. Don't stand still. Don't be idle, but be a part of what God is doing because the reality is that same spirit is available to each of us today, not just available, but dwelling within us, waiting for us to say, God, use me. The spirit that opened the sea for the children of Israel to walk across on dry ground is in you. The spirit that slew the giant Goliath when David stood across from him is in you. The spirit that fed 5,000 men, not just including everybody else, is in 
you. The spirit that walked on water is in you, and the spirit that raised Jesus on the third day is in you. The spirit that inspired all of the generations to follow is in you. Paul says it this way in Romans, and if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies because of his spirit who lives in you. You have the spirit of God. You are unquenchable. Let us be on mission for God's purposes. Our mission here is to meet people where they are and together journey toward Christ. Our vision here is that we are unapologetically seeking to build the kingdom of God in Christian County by seeking and serving the one. Friends, let us be one in service to our King through the power of His Holy Spirit. May it be so now and always so that we might be God's people called by His name, sent into His world to transform and build the kingdom of God. Let's pray. Holy Spirit, come. Come and fill us up. Wake us up. Revive us from our slumber that we might be your church, not a church of studiers, but a church of doers because we know the word of God and we live the word of God and help us to be your people called by your name, inspired by the power of your Holy Spirit that we might go from this place and be accused of being crazy for Jesus that we might share your love and grace, that we might make a radical difference for Jesus Christ. We pray this in the name of God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And all of us agreed and said, amen.